Green. This is Ted Nugent. Hi, this is Jay Leno. Hi, everybody. This is David Hobbs. Hi, this is Bob Marshall. Hi, I'm Barry McGuire. Hey, this is Danny the Count Coker. Hey, this is comedian, author, and most importantly, vintage race car driver, Adam Carolla. Hi, this is Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney. Hi, this is Robert Yates. Hey, this is Lou Santiago. I'm John Forrest. Hey, this is Jack Roush. Hello, Florida. I'm Ken Squire. Hi, this is Etzel Ford. Hi, I'm Corky Coker. Hey, this is Dennis Gage. Hi, this is Sam Amolo. Hi, this is Janet Guthrie. Hi, I'm Bruce Cohn. Hi, I'm Bob Lutz. Hi, this is Dave McClellan. Hey, this is Tammy Edelbrock. Hi, this is Norm Gravowski. Hey, I'm Dave Despain. Hey, this is Wayne Carini. This is Bill Warner. Hey, I'm Steve Bignanti. This is Kevin Bird. This is Arlen S. This is Ed Justice Jr. Hi, I'm Casey Jones. Hi, I'm Paul Kelly. I'm Richard Hutchins. Hi, this is Danny Sullivan. Hi, I'm Bob Andron. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Strange. This is Daryl Starbird. Hi, this is Ford Hickok. Hi, this is Ed Iskandarian here. This is Robin Miller. Hey, sports fans, this is Peter Brock here. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo, or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hey, listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Trust the gun trees! <laughs> I'll blow his brains out! <laughs> Trust the gun freaks! I'll blow his brains out! Drop the gun! Six shots or only five? Now, to tell you the truth, I forgot myself and all this excitement. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and will blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk?
watches, rings, everything. Oh. Quick, move! Come on with me, Mom. We gonna have us a little party, huh? What you doing, pinky and sucker? Every day for the last 10 years, Loretta there has been giving me a large black coffee. Today she gives me a large black coffee, only it's got sugar. A lot of sugar. I just came back to complain. Now you boys put those guns down. I'll say what? Whoa, we're not just gonna let you walk out of here. Who's we, sucker? Smith and Wesson and me. in the DA's office asking if coffee is psychic. Hello out there. Peabody and Sherman here. Set the Wayback Machine. We enter the Wayback and we're immediately hurtled back through time and space. Hi, this is Jay Leno and you're listening to my favorite, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com. You can see us live here in the studio. I'm your show host, Robert. Guess what? I was napping. Chris, were you napping too? <laughs> well, I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't get my cue. I was like, I wasn't sure whether the thing was on or not. But anyway, uh, please run to the uh, our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. And uh, if you've missed any of our past shows, you can check out our podcast page there. Okay, don't forget to like us on Facebook, Nostalgic Radio and Cars and Gulfstream Motorsports. And uh, how you doing tonight, Chris? I'm good. It's good to be back. A little week off. Yeah. <sighs> Let me stretch out a little bit. Stretch out. Get the kinks oh, out. Hold on. Okay. Well, oh, so now you can. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I got this. 
Anyway, uh, let's see. You know, I was probably kind of getting into the Clint Eastwood uh, clip thing there, you too. think? I think, yeah, because I was... You know, it's funny, because I saw those movies back when they came out new. New. When, when did they, they were, come out? What year did they come out? Uh, 71, 72, 73, somewhere around in there. I think Dirty Harry came out. The first one was, like, 71. Okay. And I think... Uh, the one that had Make My Day, I think that came out in 74, 75. God, I should know uh, that. It's before my time. Before your time? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, but those are true classic movies. As a matter of fact, we have another little clip uh, for uh, Clint Eastwood that we're going to play here. But um, we're going to do a little different show tonight. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about cars, as usual, and I'm going to tell you about some of the events. But we're going to do a little – got a little political flair tonight because uh, the – uh, surprise guest for this evening happens to be a politician. We have an election coming up here in about three weeks on November 4th, and it's very, very critical that you guys pay attention to the stuff that's on the ballot so we vote properly, so we can get the right people in office, so we can turn this country around, take this country back, or let's put it this way, set it on the right course. That's what we need. We need some good qualified people. We need true people that really care, true Americans, real Americans, patriots, like yourself, Chris, and like myself, and like Clint Eastwood. So anyway, hey, let me tell you about some of the events that are coming up real quick here. We have this weekend the Lake Mirror Classic, which is one of my favorites. It takes place downtown. It's an amazing setting uh, right at the lake on, in downtown Lakeland and Lake Mirror. And uh, it's a huge, huge, huge car on course, okay, which is really some of the most beautiful cars. This is one of those events that's really open to the public, and you're not going to get a chance to see the caliber cars that you will see there for this type of a venue like you would. I mean, this is the kind of cars you would see that are like first-rate cars like you would see at Amelia Island or Pebble Beach. So there's going to be some stunning cars there, okay? It's not your average car show. Although there will be another car show downtown. So basically downtown Lakeland, they also have, my guess is somewhere around four or 500 cars that show up there, and they're kind of like spread out on the streets. So it's really kind of cool because they have a downtown square, and then they have... All the stores and shops and restaurants are all open. Uh, a lot of things to do for kids. Oh, yeah, and also down by the lake, they're going to have uh, a huge display of wooden boats, which they typically do each year. And uh, they'll be running around in the lake. And then they're going to have some of those German-made amphi cars, those amphibious vehicles that drive in and out of the water. So that should be fun for everybody. And you'll get to watch them uh, buzzing around in the lake, uh, you know, with the ducks and the geese and the fish. So it should be fun and entertaining for everybody, as well as they will be... Plenty of food, plenty of drink, live music, so uh, it's a fun-filled day. And it's sponsored by our good friends over there at Heacock Classic Car Insurance. So if you need classic car insurance for your treasure that you keep in your garage locked away and you only bring out for special events, be sure and give our friends over at Heacock Insurance a call. Look them up, Heacock.com. So... What we got here? Oh, yeah. And then, of course, Higginbottom is going to be there, and I think they're going to have an auction. But they've uh, been there, I think, for the last four years. And they'll have somewhere around 40, 50 cars there. Just nice driver stuff. Nothing outstanding. I mean, as far as, you know, you're not going to see any Ferraris and Lamborghinis or anything like that, but you might see a Porsche. You might see an Alfa Romeo. You might see a good old Camaro Z28 or a Mustang Mach 1 or a couple Chevelles and GTOs and things of that nature. So if you've got a few extra coin laying in your bank account, bring your checkbook, sign up, register, and uh, bid on a nice car. That way you won't be left out. So anyway, let's see what else we got going on. Of course, then on the uh, 25th of this month, if you guys want to make it up to Dawsonville, Georgia, you know, I'm sure you've all heard the term Austin Bill from Dawsonville, as in Bill Elliott. Well, anyway, in Dawsonville, Georgia, they have the annual, and I think it's been going on for years and years and years and years, Moonshine Festival. Now, Every year I keep saying I'm going to go to that event, and I it's conflicting with something else. But this year I think I might be able to do it. Now, also that same weekend, the 25th, 
is uh, in downtown Safety Harbor is the British Car Show. So a big shout out to all my friends that have British cars. And I think downtown Safety Harbor will be hosting the British Car Show as they typically do each year. That's a fun event, you know. And again, there's some really cool stuff. You're going to have Jaguars. You're going to have Heelys. You're going to have MGs. You're going to have Triumphs. Uh, you might have an occasional Arnold Bristol. You might have an occasional um, Aston Martin. So there's going to be some pretty cool stuff there. And I think uh, Hayes Harris out of... Uh, Vero Beach is probably going to bring over some of his amazing vintage British race cars. So, at any rate, um, let's see what else we got going on. Jeez, look at me here going, um, um, um. Okay. And then also, at the end of the month, actually, I think it's the same weekend, is uh, if you're up in North Carolina, or it wouldn't be South Carolina, I believe, Hilton Head has the annual Hilton Head Motoring Festival. Now, that started out just as a nice little concourse, but that has evolved into a one-week event. So, they have vintage races at Savannah. They have car show stuff going all week long. And then, of course, on the, they, they wrap it up on the end of the week with a beautiful, stunning setting for probably one of the nicest concourse in the southeast. Okay, so be sure and put the uh, Hilton Head Motoring Festival on your calendar. The 1st of November, our good friends down there at uh, the, 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 the Soundstage Productions is putting on the Born to Ride Jam. Okay, last year they had uh, a number of guys there, bands. I think Foghat was there, Bad Company was there, Joan Jett was there. And our friends, uh, Phil and the gang from Molly Hatchet. Okay, this year they're going to have uh, Blue Oyster Colt. They're going to have Molly Hatchet. They're going to have Fog Hat. Be sure and check out the website, Born to Ride Jam. That's November 1st. And with a little bit of luck, we may have some ticket giveaways for that event. Okay, that's a fun deal. And that's all day long at the England Brothers Banshell in Pinellas Park. Okay. And then, of course, one of my favorite events of the year takes place November 4th through the 7th, and that is SEMA in Las Vegas. Okay, that's going to be an amazing event. They're expecting, geez, a quarter of a million people to attend that event. A quarter of a million to 300,000 people. That's a lot of people. And it's, I forget, 2 million square feet. Think about that. 2 million square feet of car stuff. Cars, cars, cars. You know, all this aftermarket stuff, all the OEM stuff. Ford will be there. Chrysler will be there. GM will be there. Toyota will be there. Volkswagen will be there. Just to name a few. Okay, not to mention Edelbrock and Hedman Headers and Hooker and Bilstein and, 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 and everybody else that builds all kinds of really cool stuff for your for your cool car so this is one of those events you in order to attend SEMA you have to be in the car business because you have to apply for credentials to get in there so basically it's like for people in the industry it's really not open to the public but definitely check it out SEMA.com it's an amazing event okay now also my good friends at HSR are doing on the 24th of next month excuse me not on the 24th on the 12th through the 16th of next month that's November they're doing the HSR Classic 24 this is the first time they've ever done this event here in the United States now, in, in France, they do the Petit Le Mans. And what that is is every two years they do a 24-hour race at Le Mans in tribute to the original 24-hour race, which they typically have in, in June, okay, the regular 24-hour race at Le Mans. So HSR got together with the good folks over at Daytona, and they decided to put on their own event. So they're going to do this. They're going to kind of mimic that event. So they're going to have a 24-hour race with vintage cars at Daytona the 12th through the 16th. So you definitely want to check out HSR. That's Historic Sports Car Racing. And if you can attend that event, it's a great event. It's fun. It's really cool. You get to meet some really cool people. You get to see some really neat vintage cars. And there's going to be some spectacular racing. Also, that same weekend in Winter Park is the Winter Park Concourse. That's our good friends, Pete Bartelli and them. They're putting that event on. And that's November 14th through the 16th. And then December 5th through the 7th is Festivals of Speed at the Ritz 
Sports Carlton in Orlando. So uh, that's just a little rundown. If you have any questions, if you can't remember everything I said, well, you will. You should just go visit our Facebook page, and I'll have some of that stuff information on there. But also check out our website because on our events page, I have all this stuff listed on there. And then one of the events that we're working on ourselves, and we're trying to do this uh, in conjunction with Sam Ash, if we can do this, and that is December 14th. We're thinking about putting our own Christmas party on, okay? And this could be called, uh, this is a tentative name, Sam Ash Guitars and Cars presented by Nostalgic Radio and Cars, okay? Christmas show. So, and it's going to be kind of a charity thing to one of our favorite charities here in town, which is Closed to Kids, okay? So as that progresses, I will keep you guys all informed. Hey, do we got something spinning around on the turn up table? Yeah, we're going to we're gonna do this. You're going to do this? Who's, um, we got a little Eric Clapton. We can do Eric Clapton. I'm thinking Eric Clapton. I like, yeah. I'm just in the mood for Eric Clapton. Uh, this is a song that also came out in the, I'm going to say the mid-70s. 60s, 60s, not the mid-70s. What am I thinking? Are well, you just guessing? You don't even know what song I want to play. Well, yeah, Badge. By, well, way uh, to Clapton. ruin it! Way to ruin the surprise! I ruined the surprise. Jeez. Oh man! Fine. Okay, let's just uh, let's let's drop the needle in the groove, as they say. <laughs> hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We're playing a little Eric Clapton. The song's "Badge." That's actually one of my favorite songs by him, by the way. And uh, back in the early days when he was um, with Cream. So at any rate, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch a dial. We'll be right back. something, ladies and gentlemen, uh, something uh, that I think is very important, is that 
you, we, we own this country. It's not you owning it and not politicians owning it. Politicians are employees of ours. And uh, they're just going to come around and beg for votes every few years, and it's the same old deal. But I just think that uh, it's important that you realize that you're the best in the world. And uh, whether you're Democrat or whether you're a Republican or whether you're Libertarian or whatever, you're the best, and we should not ever forget that. And we, when somebody does not do the job, we've got to let them go. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Largo Road, near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hey, listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you.
Interviewing a friend is not easy, especially when that friend is the first lady. Well, last Tuesday afternoon in the upstairs living room at the White House, we talked with Nancy Reagan, a friend for 35 years. Wouldn't it be nice if we could look at television or read the papers and read something wonderful and nice that's happened? It seems to me that all we read and all we hear are the terrible things that have happened. The... the nasty things that have happened. I know in today's world you have to, the news people have to talk about what's going on in the world and there are terrible things that are going on in the world right now. But let's have a little balance. Let's, let's try to bring people up and give them some hope and some encouragement and some, some moral values. Strong letter follows. <laughs> I guess what you really want for Christmas is for the press to take a fresh look at you. Really? That would be nice. <laughs> look at what I'm look at what I'm really doing now. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mike. Hi, I'm Bob Lutz, former vice chairman of General Motors, and I like listening to nostalgic radio and cars and Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. Now, if you guys paid attention early in the show, I mentioned that this is a uh, we're in a political season, and uh, it's very important that everybody pays attention to what's going on in this country on a state level, on a local level, on a national level. And uh, so this evening, I've got a very special guest for you, ladies and gentlemen. And my guest is a member of the Florida House of Representatives, and I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening my friend Kathleen Peters. Kathleen, are you there? I am here. I am here. It's so good to be here. Well, thank you very much for taking some time out of your busy schedule. I know you've, uh, you're, you're probably at a function this evening, right? Uh, just wrapping up. Just wrapping up. Okay. Well, why did you tell us, uh, and uh, myself and all the listeners a little bit, kind of uh, tell us a little bit about your platform. Give us a little background on yourself a little bit, because you're, uh, you're a conservative, you're a Republican, and uh, you're a member of the House of Representatives. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Kathleen Peters. Um, well, I am. I am. A, I am a Republican. I'm what I consider a compassionate conservative. 
And, you know, that would be a, a conservative who just doesn't believe growing government is the best way to do because we don't believe government does it well. And I can give examples of homelessness. When, when we have a homeless person, it's a local government issue, and the local government will write a, an ordinance, write a law when they don't want panhandlers or, or loitering around business areas or parks. And so then what they do is they bring in the police and they sweep them in and they put them in jail. And what they end up doing is getting those people into this revolving door system and they never get system where if instead and what we're doing in Pinellas County is a great example instead of taking a deal at a raw cost of $105 a day we take them to a, uh, a homeless shelter and the cost for a homeless shelter is $13 a day um, and uh, the folks that are homeless will get job skills, education, they'll get temporary housing. If they need mental health services, they can get them. And instead of keeping them on the revolving door of the justice system, we get them on the path to independence. And so then the recidivism rate drops down, and it's a much more cost-effective, much more compassionate way to deal with our most vulnerable citizens who are missing basic needs of food and shelter. So that kind of describes my work, my philosophy, compassionate conservative, um, and and why I think there's a role for government, but I also believe that government doesn't necessarily do it well and effectively, and, and that the private sector, the nonprofit, the faith community does. Now, you've served one term so far, correct? I've served one term. Um, and so I'm, a, I'm and I was a freshman and I will tell you as a freshman I had an incredible year we were able to accomplish some things that um, I had one bill that a senior legislator couldn't get through for 30 years but for four years in a row he had the same bill and he was not able to get it through and I was able to get it through my first year so it's really about fighting and diligence and, and looking at the whole system and in that case it wasn't a problem within the elected officials. It was a problem uh, that was a little deeper ingrained in staff. And, and so you really got to be willing to do all the work to, to be successful. Is it difficult to compromise with a lot of the people up there in Tallahassee? No, you know, I was listening to the caller that you had on right before I, I came on, and she was upset about the news not being balanced. And I want to, if it's okay, I want to just tell you a story. When I first got elected, I really expected gridlock. I expected bipolar, I, you know, polarized and, and, and separation and kind of dysfunction like we hear about in the news in Washington. And what I came to find out is that's not what I experienced in Tallahassee. And I can give you an example. The speaker told us that he would not dictate to anybody how they had to vote. And never in my two years was I ever told how to vote. There was not that myth of, of you have to do as you're told kind of thing or rubber stamping leadership. That's not what I experienced. And my first year, we passed 289 bills. And of those 289 bills, just under 200 were passed unanimous with no con debate. Now, this year we passed 265 bills and more than 200 passed unanimous with no con debate. And what does that mean? That means that 70 percent, more than 70 percent of all the legislation that passed was vetted through committee by both the Democrats and the Republicans. And they came to consensus on 70 plus percent of those bills agreeing that it was good policy for Florida and for Floridians. Now, to me, that's a very good functioning government system when more than 70 percent of the bills go unanimous with no con debate. Let me I think ask that's a, 
I, I, and what upsets me is that the media alludes that government is broken. And what I can tell you in Florida, at the state level, government's not broken. And I don't believe at the county and the local and the city level. I don't believe government's broken. And I don't like when people lose faith in government because I believe it's working. I'm not sure about Washington. I can't. It doesn't appear to be working in Washington, but, but I'm confident to say that the legislators we have working in Tallahassee are working together. The now you you mentioned committees and you mentioned um, there's a you're on a number of committees and you're on a number of subcommittees, and uh, so does it does it get overwhelming for you? And, and give us a, a couple examples of some of the committees that you're on. I know you're on the transportation committee. You're on uh, on the appropriation on a number of appropriations committees. So tell us about some of the committees that you really really take to your heart. Um, well, it was wonderful the first two years in, and I'm not sure what committees I'll be on in the upcoming years if I'm blessed to be reelected. But um, I was on education. I was on Healthy Families, which really works with DCF and foster care. Um, I was on Transportation and Economic Development, Appropriations, um, Government Operations Appropriation. I got to spend time on the Veterans Affairs Committee. And... Uh, it's wonderful because you get to learn so much about your state. And and we were able to create a GI Bill that really puts Florida in the most prominent place in the nation who cares for, for veterans. We, we have bought land surrounding all of our military bases to protect them so that the federal government doesn't ever shut them down. So counties and cities don't encroach on them and say, oh, we don't like the planes flying in and shutting down their mission. So we've really protected our military bases. That's a strong economic driver for us. We've uh, we've ensured that any veteran can have intuition to wait a year like they do in every other state. We have done lots of things, including the National Guard, which usually gets left out. So, so we've been able to make Florida the most veteran-friendly state in the nation, and when and and we've done so much for other things that you don't hear about. I mean, the jobs you hear about the jobs, and it's wonderful that we were able to get Florida to recover quicker than we've ever done in history. But, but we also did something I don't think we've done in the 20 years that I've advocated for children and for our most vulnerable citizens. We've never really taken care of those people until now and in the last two years we have put in place a system so if if a child is a victim of trafficking that that child is not continued to be victimized within the justice system once they're rescued from that initial um trafficking but we need to cover penalties on people that are that are perpetrators of it we have changed the laws in foster care to help protect those children because those children we were losing 60% of them, 30% to the justice system, and 30% were going homeless. And we were not doing right by our children, and too many have died in our system. So we've changed that system to to make it better, allow them to have normalcy and more successful. So we've really, and we've done a lot for homeless in the last year. So we've not only have we done great things for jobs and we've changed our education system, we're also taking care of our most vulnerable citizens, which I think we have failed for decades. Let's talk a little bit about education, because that's a big issue with a lot of people, myself being a parent. So what are some of the, the, the strides that you've made in the educational system? Well, we've actually shifted a lot on how we think and how the system works. So we went to this whole idea, oh gosh, 20-some years ago, where everybody had to go to college. 
you know, you, you're not going to be successful unless you go to college. And so we went on this college prep track. But college isn't for everyone. And so we had kids that were on this college prep track that didn't feel college was a fit for them. And so they were being asked to conform, and it wasn't natural form. It wasn't a fit. So now what we've done is we've set up two separate tracks. So you can be on a college prep track, or you can be on a technical track. Now, if you choose, let's say you want to be on a technical track, and you want to do robotics or you want to do manufacturing, and so you want to do more hands-on and get certificates and go to a technical institute, you can. But let's say you're 12th grade and you change your mind and say, you know what, I really do want to go to college. Well, the track that you were on didn't water down any of the criteria, so you're still going to be eligible and have the credits and the courses that will allow you to be competitive in any university in the state of Florida. So you can take the college prep track, or you can take that kind of technical track, which would lead more to work quicker. But if you change your mind midstream, you're not hurt and and missing those credits that would allow you to get into any university. So I, I think that gives the flexibility to help our students be more successful and makes them feel like they fit in and that it's purposeful. And yes, this is for me. Um, and no, I don't have to conform to college prep. Um, and so I, I think it's much more conducive. And I think we've seen greater successes on our test scores. I think our dropout rates have improved as a result because I think they're engaged in more hands-on STEM kind of courses that um, reinforces what they're learning. The Now, when you talk about technical schools, would that include trade schools too, for example? You know, yes. So, okay. Absolutely, yes. Okay, because in Europe, for example, you know, when you're in eighth grade at that point in time, they kind of determine whether you may be college bound or whether you're more of a trades oriented person or technical right. person. So they're basically kind of implementing something very similar then. We, we, we do actually in eighth grade is kind of what we're determining now. And I believe that's too late. I think you need to do it by sixth grade. I think in middle schools when, when we need to be engaging right now, middle schools, we're losing our kids. And I think it's middle school is so critically important that we integrate different teaching styles and we allow for kids to be more flexible and learn. And so, so, and I guess what I would say is instead of sitting at a desk and just being taught at, the, the activities need to be using your hands. So, so you're, if you're doing a math project or a science project, it reinforces it because you're, you're learning tactically. You're learning through your senses. You're learning different ways. And that's how you reinforce um, those those skills. And so I think middle school is where we need to be introducing robotics, where we need to be introducing um, some of those STEM programs that can really engage them and in their interest on, do I want to be an engineer? Do I want to go into manufacturing? Do I want to be a plumber or an electrician? Which, by the way, is a very, very, very good job. Um, manufacturing has become high tech. And with advanced manufacturing and clean manufacturing, it is not your grandfather's manufacturing anymore. <laughs> it's a high-paying job that really doesn't require a college education, but you can make a really good living and interesting and it's innovative and, and you're at the cutting edge of some of the newest technologies. It's a very exciting field. Um, and we've got a short workforce there. 
And so you're kind of letting the kids, their their, their instincts take over a little bit, which is yeah. good. And they're interested. And then I think when we force them to sit in a desk and conform, especially at that age, at middle school age. Now, you talked about robotics and manufacturing, and you're on the, the Committee for Economic Development. Tell us a little bit about some of the industry that's coming to Florida. Oh, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Um, manufacturing is, is big in Florida. And it's really big in Pinellas County, which is very exciting, and a lot of people don't realize it. We have some of the most innovative companies right here in Pinellas County in our front yard. And I love when I go to them because I get so excited. I feel like I, I'm, I'm back what created this country and made it so great, you know, that we, we have the to- Thomas Edison's of today. Um, and so we have companies like Alps, which is in St. Petersburg, and they have a, a bioparticle that interfaces with the nervous system. And so within minutes, what used to take three months to train somebody to use a prosthetic hand, all they have to do is, is put this um, kind of like a, a wristband on that has this bioparticle in it that's been woven in the fabric. And it interfaces with the nervous system, and they can watch a video, and within 10 minutes, they're proficient in using that prosthetic hand. And so as a result of that, if you have a stroke and you've got paralysis, and you use this uh, bioparticle with a with a brace or an orthotic, your paralysis is no longer an issue because you'll be able to walk or use your arm or use your hand. Um, and it's right here in St. Petersburg. It's incredible. And so the I-4 corridor has become the biotechnology research hub. We also have a hub of biotechnology in South Florida. And so Florida is now becoming one of the big meccas for biotechnology, manufacturing, medical manufacturing. And we have a whole new economic driver where before it was strictly building tourism and agriculture, we now have a strong economic driver that holds up the state of Florida. And as we experience more recessions, I think Florida won't um, be so subjective as we've been in the past because we've diversified our economic drivers. Now, having said that, basically, so on your economic development board that you're working on, the committee there, so you basically kind of create a really good, uh, environment for businesses to come to, to come to Florida and do business, correct? Yes, yeah. Okay. And one of the one of the things I did that I'm really proud of is I I made St. Petersburg College the first and only center of excellence in the country for orthotics and prosthetics. So that's why I'm familiar with that subject. Okay. Um, and now, what does that mean? Now, there's ten colleges and universities in the country that can offer a degree in that industry. Only ten. And St. Pete College is one of the 10. So that's a niche. And so the question was, how do you take that niche and make it a golden opportunity? Well, as the FDA requires more and more certificates um, and experience to work within that industry, and and with more and more veterans coming home, and we have more and more diseases that cause paralysis, you got, you know, um, Parkinson's and um, MS and all these different diseases. So uh, we're, we're investing in these new technologies. So if you want to become a mastectomy fitter, you have to have a 10-day, a 7- to 10-day training course to get that certificate. Or a prodorthus fitter is anywhere from, um, I think, a 3- to 12-week course. So people in the eastern United States have no place to go to get those certificates 
except St. Petersburg College. So you can live in Indiana or in New York, and the only place you can go that's nearby to get those certificates is right here at St. Petersburg College. So you have to come here and live here for a week while you go and get that certification. So you live here, you shop here, you eat here. So that's destination education. Um, And so that's a whole other arena of which we can grow uh, workforce um, and education and, and and economic development. And so, you know, that's something I'm very proud of. The college is doing incredible things, and they are partnered with Florida State University doing uh, clinical trials with biotechnology right right here, St. Petersburg College. That's super. Clinical trials. It's fabulous. So it's exciting, and, and I think we don't toot our horn enough about about what we're doing here in Florida, but we're doing great things. Okay. Well, now, also, since this is a nostalgic radio in cars, we talk about cars a lot. Let's talk a little bit about transportation. What are some of the great things happening in the, the world of transportation in the state of Florida? Well, I think the most significant thing we're doing in transportation is expanding our ports. Okay. Panama Canal is getting larger to accommodate the ships that are coming in. We are expanding all of our ports to accommodate that. And so we are the natural fit from the Panama Canal to to, for the for the next movement in trade. And so by expanding all of our ports, that's going to, again, increase economic development and jobs. And so that was one of the governor's first number one priorities four years ago. He's invested a whole lot of money in our ports, and you're going to see significant changes in how that shapes. Now, how do you move that? So now we're going to have all this stuff coming in, big ships coming into our ports. So we have to grow rail we have to grow our trucking lines and our and our highways to accommodate the workforce and the workload that's going to come in through those expanded ports um, and that has been uh, very focused on over the last four years and I think that's why you're seeing so many projects streamlining all of our our infrastructure to make sure that we can handle and we're well equipped when those larger ships start coming in. Now, I heard a, uh, a rumor. I'm not sure if it's a rumor or a story, but um, so now they're talking about doing a major expansion here in Tampa in our own backyard. Now, is there some truth to that uh, the Sunshine Skyway is going to be inadequate, that they're going to have to tear that down and rebuild it and build a higher, bigger, better, better bridge? You know, I, that, I, I, I don't know if that's speculation. They're talking the cruise ships are getting built taller, and that may be, you know, I can't tell you if that's speculation, rumor, or fact. No one has come to me and asked me to write legislation to facilitate any kind of changes in moving the port because there was talk about moving it to Pinellas County on the other side of the Skyway so the bridge isn't an issue. Um, There's been all kinds of talk, but I can tell you as far as I know, there's been no request to change legislation to accommodate moves like that. Okay. And let's talk about rail a little bit because you mentioned trucking and rail. And I think that we, and I'm not talking high speed rail now. I'm just talking about, you no. know, using the, the regular rails roads that we already have there. Is there the potential that they might expand those, double up on the rail system so they can make those well, more efficient? I think CSX has been uh, strengthening their infrastructure, knowing this is coming because it's the CSX. You're talking cargo right. movement. We're not talking commuter rail. Exactly. Right. Um, we're not people moving, we're, we're product moving. And so CSX has been investing in Florida and their rail system ever since the governor made it a priority that the ports were going to be expanding. So I think the, the rail lines that are within the state have been investing appropriately to ensure that they can accommodate the coming need. Now, transportation also includes airlines and uh, airports. True. Is there any uh, airport expansions uh, planned for Florida? Um. 
Now, there may be locally, but that wasn't stuff that came before me okay. in the committee. I know Tampa TIA's got a, a vision plan and so forth, and T. Barta had come to me to talk about it, and when they're ready and they want support, of course, they're going to ask us to support them, whatever that might be. But I haven't seen um, anyone else come to me to talk about airport expansion. Okay. And I'm not even sure locally where TIA is. Tell us about um, the Committee on Gaming. What does that entail? And you're involved in that committee as well, correct? I, I am in that committee. Now, gaming, you're going to see movement in gaming, I think, in the upcoming year because the compact with the Seminole, with the Indians are up. Um, now, what, what, what exactly? I, I would say that the legislature might be split on um, um, on whether or not they want to expand or not. And what is it going to look like if we expand? Will it be destination resorts like they talked about several years ago? Would it be statewide expansion? You know, would it be just changing the compact with the Indians? What, what, you know, would, would, would we release the paramutuals on the coupling and decouple? I, you know, I'm really not sure what all you're going to see. There may be some decoupling, but I'm not sure. I, I don't think you're going to see an expansion in statewide gambling. Okay. I really so, don't. So basically the jury's still out on it and the debate's still going on, correct? I, I think the debate is still on there. Okay. I don't think there's wide movement to expand gaming. And the Internet gaming is a whole nother deal. When I, when I investigated that and learned about that, when you start doing Internet gaming, you have to not only have – we have compacts with uh, Indians right now, but if you do Internet gaming, then you have to start establishing compacts with the other states that are involved in Internet gaming, the other countries that are involved in Internet gaming. And it's my understanding that there isn't security to protect the investors and the people that are playing on the Internet gaming. Um, there, there aren't, I mean, we can't even protect when we're buying in local stores. Um, and they don't feel that there's the security in place to protect those accounts. Okay. With internet gaming. So it's much more complex than, you know, I like to gamble. Why can't I, you know, play blackjack anywhere? Gotcha. All right. We've got a few minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, homeowner's insurance because you're working on that committee as well, right? Are they- um, I am not on any insurance uh, okay. committees. But you've cut- I, I did support the flood insurance to expand that open to private okay. uh, private companies. And what's what we were not able to do is open up uh, private insurance for commercial property. And I think um, our commercial properties are getting hit really hard with the new FEMA maps. And so they are getting these exorbitant new um, rates to for flood insurance that, you know, that are unrealistic. And so the small mom and pop businesses are really, you know, at risk of going under because of flood insurance. So I've spoken to some of the private companies that have ventured into the flood insurance market, and they're in the process of becoming eligible to offer commercial insurance. So that's something that's not taken legislation. The market is doing it. That's really probably the best way to do it versus writing laws. Okay, so basically, like for example, on 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 some of a lot of the insurances, like you know, can you like it, the issue is about buying insurance out of state across state lines. So does the state have to allow those insurance companies to basically do business in this state? Is that the way that works? And that's kind of what you're working on. Uh, well, that's different on the flood insurance. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, some of those HCI is a local company right here in Tampa, um, and they're one of the private insurers that stepped up to allow uh, that started taking on flood insurance to relieve those people from having to go to FEMA, um, and they've been able to offer reasonable flood rates versus 
significantly lower than what FEMA was uh, demanding. Okay. Well, it sounds like you stay pretty busy. Um, Kathleen, if people want to find out more about you, you and your campaign, where do they go? My website is www.kathleenpeters.com. Um, it's an easy way to find me. Um, I, email me at Kathleen at KathleenPeters.com. And uh, I love classic cars, Robert, because you know I own I own a couple of them. Well, I was just going there. Okay. <laughs> How about that? I couldn't let it go without it. Most people see me, they wouldn't think I'm a car girl, but I'm a car girl. So, um, And I know you've seen pictures of my car one of these days. I'll have to bring it out so you can see it in person. Absolutely. Well, tell us real quick what you have. we got uh, two minutes I've left. Got, um, I have a 1937 Dodge convertible with a rumble seat. It is oh, wow. completely factory. I've got 87,000 original miles on that car. Um, everything on it is factory. It is beautiful. I love it. It's it's a great Sunday drive. It's got a straight six. Um, I don't take it out at night because that six volt battery doesn't let those headlights get very bright. <laughs> my father is uh, is is with me. He's my partner, and he's got a 1947 Ford convertible. And oh, that's wow. a marvelous story. When he asked my mother to marry him, and she said yes, he said, "Well, Rosemary, I could either buy you a ring, or we could buy this really cool car." And she said, "Oh, Phil." Let's get the car. And so when she passed away and he missed her terribly, we decided to find a car that looked exactly like it. And every time we take his car out, we celebrate my mother. And so for the last 10 years, we've enjoyed that car immensely. And we celebrate my mother. And she had a black 1947 Ford convertible with red interior. And that's exactly what he has right now. And we just have so much fun celebrating my mother in that car. So. Um, it's, I have found that it's the cars are great, but the stories are better, and the stories with my two cars are great. I got I got great stories with my Dodge and a great story with the Ford, and that's what makes them special. Well, when we do our car show in December, we're going to have to invite you there to bring both those cars. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. All right. Well, Kathleen, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I wish you the best of luck in your campaign. You're doing some great stuff up there in Tallahassee with Rick Scott and the rest thank of the gang. You. And, we have uh, great leadership. That's and good. We need everyone to get out and vote. It's so critically important that that, that freedom and that right that we, we, we defend it and we, we exercise it. So please get out and vote. Okay, I want to thank my special guest, Kathleen Peters. She's a member of the Florida House of Representatives, Republican for District 69. And both her and I encourage everybody to go out and vote this November 4th. Hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Be sure to check out our show every Tuesday night. Tell your friends the most legendary, fascinating names in motorsports right here. Right? Tuesdays? Okay. Check out Gulfstream Motorsports. Check out my Facebook page. In the meantime, I want everybody to stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. And take care, everybody. I found an island in your arms, country in your eyes. Telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDTF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.